0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What to make of the 49ers wide receiving core? Will Michael Pittman smash? And what about C.D. Lamb with Dak Prescott back? All this and more in the Week 7 Passing Game Matchup Raider episode here on roto Radio.
2: What's up, Roto-Viz?
1: Hey, welcome back to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Curtis Patrick and Dave Cabin here. Going to be slinging around some stats from the passing game matchup Raider tonight for week seven. Uh, becoming a, a really useful episode and exercise for me, and especially in those flex spot, difficult start-sit decisions. We're going to hit some of those interesting players tonight thanks to the uh, wizardry of Dave Cabin and this tool. Dave, let's just get right into it, man, because it seems like this week is going to be all about the 49ers. The The Raider is loving all three of the primary weapons. We see Debo, Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, and George Kittle all rate in the top seven amongst all pass catchers this week. What is the Raider seeing in this matchup against KC? Um, and is it basically like, you know, a situation where we're sitting decent running backs to cram these guys in.
2: Yeah, man, it really might be now. Of course, everybody's excited because they finally got some touchdowns from IUK. uh, that, that were likely on their bench, but maybe they're hoping they can get him back into their lineup <laughs> for this week. Sheepishly yeah. raise his hand. <laughs> yeah. I was in the same boat with you, man. Um, and it looks like if there's a week that we are going to see a great game from these receiving weapons on San Francisco it figures to be this week. Now, both Ayuk and Samuel fall with the two highest ratings this week. Samuel has an 87 and Ayuk has an 81. These are really notable because some weeks we don't have any wide receivers getting up into that 80 range. Now, one of the things that you have to understand here is that these two wide receivers both spend a fairly equal amount of time in this slot so you actually have iuk in the slot 64% of the time samuel is in the slot 68% of the time uh, and then of course you have kittle lined up as a tight end 65% of the time but he's actually uh in a typical wide receiver slot spot 34% of the time but one of the things that's going to be helpful here is if you look at the total number of snaps that these players have it's largely within the wide receivers concentrated to iuk and Debo. Now, the reason that this is useful is because they're the, the, on the opposite side of the field for the Chiefs, the players that most commonly cover the slot, we have all being very favorable in terms of points per game allowed on um, direct targets. With Jerry Sneed allowing 8.1, Rashad Fenton, uh, excuse me, uh, Jawan Thornhill around 7, you also then have the players outside that they're going to see some coverage from in Jalen Watson around 9.5. And if you look at these individual players, all you see is high numbers. And as a result of the fact that, uh, you know, there's really these two main wide receivers for San Francisco, uh, you can see why they should be able to take advantage of that. Uh, we will also call out here if you're looking at 20 plus uh games allowed to wide receivers kansas city has been one of the most favorable teams in this metric only detroit and pittsburgh uh, have been lower and they're also allowing 18.9 points per game to top 48 wide receivers only uh the commanders have been more favorable so there's really everything you want there in this matchup there's a defense that from a fantasy point perspective has been giving up a lot of points to opposing wide receivers. And then when you actually break down the matchups, it's also very favorable. uh, And not even just an an individual matchup here and there, really wherever they're lined up, uh, they should be able to produce against the Chiefs. So really, really wheels up for the two wide receivers. And then from, you know, we'll just toss in the tight end here as well. From the Kittle perspective, Kansas City has been uh, pretty favorable as well. If you take a look at their thresholds, um, they're in the green, which is very favorable uh, for tight ends in a variety of the metrics. And it's looking like a spot where we could see Kittle continue to try to gain some momentum as he goes forward. So in this game, I would look for some big points totals uh, from the receivers for Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: Yeah, um, I think... You know, beyond even diving into the individual matchups, you you just see it from like the 50,000 foot level. You know, in the NFL Stat Explorer, you can look at the top wide receivers against an opposing defense uh, over the last five weeks. And man, like every single player that was supposed to smash against this Chiefs defense did so. Back in week two, Mike Williams posted 25.3 PPR, Mike Evans with a 31.3 spot in week four. Devonte Adams, 27.4 in week five. And then last week, Stephon Diggs hung a 30-burger on him uh, with 30.8 PPR. In the past five weeks, there have been eight receiving touchdowns scored by wide receivers against this defense. Everyone was going to start Debo, but in case you weren't sure, you know, about what to do with Brandon Ayuk after, you know, the, kind of the snapback game last week, you know, it's very clear, you know, thanks to Dave's breakdown, um, and, you know, just basic directional analysis against this defense that he should be crammed in uh, to the flex over probably just about any other player uh, that you could feature in that spot. Let's move over to the Dolphins, Dave, where we've got Tyreek Hill on, you know, a nearly an historic pace uh, and certainly a career best pace from an expected points perspective. Uh, obviously, we've got Jalen Waddle. We had a, a tiny reemergence of Mike Kosicki. Um, How are we looking in that passing offense this
2: week? Yeah, man, this is pretty similar uh, to what we saw for San Francisco, where you have Miami's primary weapons in uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, both scoring uh, in the top five with Waddle having a rating of 73 and Tyreek Hill having a rating of 76. And it's really a similar story. If you look at Pittsburgh from a threshold perspective, Um, allowing 1.7 wide receivers per game to put up a 10 spot, 1.5 wide receivers to go over 15. I think I mentioned earlier they've been most favorable in terms of 20-plus point performances and allowing 17.5 points per game to top 48 wide receivers. And if you look at the actual alignment, pretty much anywhere that you're going to see Hill or Waddle line up, They're going to be facing a player that has been allowing a significant amount of fantasy points on direct targets. I would look for um, either one of these guys to really put up some big numbers uh, on Terrell Edmonds. uh, One of their safeties when he's getting in coverage, trying to help Cameron Sutton, who's been fairly favorable as well, or even Minka Fitzpatrick um, when he's covering the slot, and then there's a couple of players too in here, uh, like Kella Witherspoon, who um, ranks about seventh in terms of pass snaps played for them uh, for the Steelers. And obviously, one of the things I would always say is, as I you know name off these players in the secondary, you always need to look at the injury reports and see how things go. But there are some other players too that if get forced into coverage on Waddle or Hill, are you know probably going to get eaten alive. So this is definitely a great spot. For both players on Miami, um, we will have to pay attention, though, to what uh, happens in terms of the quarterback. If we had a two a game here, I mean, we could really expect big things.
1: Yeah, this is a a team that gets attacked, you know, down the field uh, by opposing wide receivers, you know, in four of the past five weeks. um, Well over 200 air yards uh, distributed to opposing wide receivers. And you know it's not quite on the level of that Chiefs, um, of that Chiefs kind of murderers row uh, that they face. But you know this defense has actually been surrendering some bigger games to some lesser names. Nelson Aguilar put up 23. Uh, Amari Cooper 23. Corey Davis goes to Corey Davis 18 points. Um, so you know, obviously, you know Chris uh, or Gabriel Davis and Chris Godwin had solid appearances against the Steelers as well recently. But when you hear kind of those mid-tier, lower-tier guys also getting there, definitely makes you feel good about superstars on the Dolphins, um, kind of probably regardless if he's under center, but especially uh, if we do get to a back to your point. Um, a couple other players we wanted to, to call out. I'll, I'll give you a trio here uh, to maybe uh, pick apart. Michael Pittman uh, in, in a game where uh, you know that the Titans have a susceptible pass defense and – You know, perhaps they would want to force Tennessee into a foot race. I mean, I don't know. Both teams kind of like their running backs, but you never know. Uh, And then you got CeeDee Lamb uh, with Dak Prescott coming back. And then the rookie, Wandale Robinson. New York's been looking for some big plays. You know, he finds the end zone last week. Uh, Let's take a look at that trio of players before we look at some of the uh, tougher matchups this
2: week. Sure. So Michael Pittman uh, with the sixth highest rating among wide receivers for the week. At 65, as you mentioned, there's definitely some holes in that Titans defense that uh, Pittman should be able to make use of. Now, he lines up in the slot. Uh, Let me get the exact number for us here. Here. Um, around 50 yes 53 percent of the time and then has a tendency to be out left uh, more than he is to the right I would say that probably what you're going to see is for him some coverage from Roger McCreary who's allowing 10 points per game on direct targets uh, and also might see some coverage from Terrence Mitchell who's allowing 9.5 points per game on direct targets. This is another situation where there really aren't many players that you would expect to see him line up against that have been limiting from a fantasy point perspective. So, this looks like a nice matchup for him. Tennessee is another team that has been very favorable from a threshold perspective, and that's one thing that we're going to start to hear more of as we go forward. As I said prior, things start to normalize around week 6. So, we're going to see more cases where if a player is getting rated highly the defense he's facing is also going to be one of the favorable opponents from a threshold perspective and then in turn with that when you actually dig into the matchups here you're going to see the opposing players seeding a lot of fantasy points which is one of the cool things here because we don't really care if the player is a good player from an nfl perspective there have been cases here of corners in the past I've called it a favorable matchup and people will question it because they know that that player is very good from an NFL perspective. But what they might not realize is that player has to do a lot for their defense and gets involved in a lot of ways where though they might be helping on the field, the receivers they're facing are still totaling fantasy points, um, which sometimes can be a hard thing to separate. But I wanted to make that note as we'll continue to see it. Um, who were the other players you mentioned? I think one of them was Rondale or Wandale.
1: Yeah, Wandale Robinson and CeeDee Lamb.
2: Yes. So Wandale uh, gets a rating of 56 against the Jaguars. Now, that's not one of the highest ratings that you will see, but <clears throat> Jacksonville is giving up um, 10 plus point per game to 1.7 wide receivers, top 48 players uh, around 14.1 per game. If you were to take a look through the alignment detail, uh, you'd kind of get a sense, too, of this matchup looking like out of those Giants wide receivers, that Wandale is the one that should be able to make use of it. And hopefully we can continue to see him build upon some of the things that he has done prior. Now, I also wanted to talk here about C.D. Lamb, who gets a 56. And I think we could put Noah Brown into this grouping as well, who's at a 54. I think it was last week we might talk have ta- or the week prior we talked about Detroit and how susceptible that defense has been. And now things get really interesting because we likely have Dak coming back. My understanding is that CD might be dealing um with a couple of issues, but if we had both of those gentlemen operating with full health, what we're probably going to see is a situation where C D Lamb is in the slot about 59% of the time, fairly equal um on his size of the field when he's lined up out wide. But that 59% makes him the player that operates out of the slot the most. Um for the Cowboys. There are two players in uh Mike Hughes and Amani. I'm really gonna butcher the name here, or Ruwari. Uh both allowing oh, so bad. I am sorry to Lions fans out there. I mean, the team has won uh, one game. I know they played the Patriots. That was, I I, um, I think I was actually um, on it. Was that a home game? I can't even remember at this point. I'm going to look this up. I actually think I might've been there. When you go to a lot of games every year, it all starts to blur together. Uh, This is ridiculous. New England Patriots schedule. We're looking this up, Curtis. I don't care. Okay. Because right, 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 right. It was a 29, nothing win at home. That's right. So I would not have heard these names mentioned. And honestly, if I were spectating on TV, I feel like they probably would have skipped over a lot of it too, because it was such a beatdown, much like the beatdown that New England gave your brownies uh, just last weekend, huh?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're kind of losing me here with these personal stories and then railing against my team. So, I like, whatever great vibes or camaraderie we opened to the show with, <laughs> you completely just sanded them away. All right. Um, so 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 okay. So with the Cowboys, the one thing to note, um, on top of of these matchup ratings, is and Dak coming back, which is um, you know a big variable to change anyway in any given week to change your quarterback. Uh, using our player usage tools, you can see over the past two weeks, Michael Gallup has actually um, surpassed Noah Brown uh, in terms of opportunity market share. Uh, he has not passed him in snap yet, but he is being targeted more frequently on his routes. So, um, look for that to potentially change. And then, you know, the other thing too, is with Dak coming back, you know, Cooper rush was basically ignoring, I know he was slightly dinged, but he's basically ignoring Dalton Schultz. And we don't, we would not expect for Dak to do that if Schultz, uh, you know, was healthy. It's just not how he's distributed the ball on the offense.
2: Right. Right. So those are some of the players that have, uh, you know, exceedingly favorable outlooks this week. We will turn our attention now towards some of these wide receivers that, oh wait, sorry, Curtis, do you have another note?
1: Well, no, I I was just going to segue into the segment and basically, um, you know, dump on a Patriot because, you know, you've made it personal by coming at the Browns. It looks like Jacoby Myers might be going to lockdown Island this week. So let's start there.
2: All right. Fair enough. Uh, so Jacoby, who we've generally highlighted, uh, you know, numerous times as having favorable matchups, draws a 24 this week against the Bears. Normally we see the New England wide receivers somewhat sandwiched around each other. They are all in the red this week, but uh, Myers by and large the worst. So a couple of things that we'll look at here. One of them being chicago has been the stingiest defense in 10 plus wide receiver performances allowed uh on a per game basis they're allowing just 0.2 wide receivers to go over 15 points even top 48 wide receivers Curtis, are producing just 8.3 points against this defense now if you look at the new england patriots and the way that they deploy their wide receivers At this point in the year, Jacoby Myers is running 82% of his routes out of the slot. As a result, we would expect to see him drawing significant coverage um, from a couple of their corners uh, as well as a safety. Now, they do have Kyler Gordon, who has been fairly susceptible, allowing 9.0 points per game. But when you zoom out of him and you look at some of the other players that are likely going to be helping in coverage, they have been very stingy. Uh, Their safety, Jaquan Brisker, at just 1.1 points per game under a target's corner, Jalen Johnson at just 2.2. Their safety that plays more snaps than anybody else on the team and who covers the slot 53% of the time is at just 1 So you have a slight chance that in some matchups with Gordon, maybe Myers could make something happen. Uh, But most of the time, there's going to be players, uh, you know, assisting that have been very limiting. And in cases where Myers is not opposing Gordon, it's been very difficult for any wide receivers, even those of some significance to put up good games. So this does not look like a great spot for Jacoby.
1: All right, let's go over to the Tampa Bay passing game because, uh, you know, I've been hearing that we're going to get angry Tom again soon, everything that's going on at home and some of his poor performance, Uh, not necessarily from a turnover perspective, but just, you know, the offense isn't clicking, you know, like it has in recent seasons. What are we looking at for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? I mean, the team's been talking about wanting to get Evans the ball a little bit more. So there's a little bit of, um, you know uh, I guess team presser narrative that seems to be uh, gaining some momentum for Evans as a popular DFS play this weekend I'm just curious what the actual matchup says
2: yeah well this doesn't really look that great when you're not including the narrative and one thing I will say is we do know that Evans and Godwin are two very good receivers so the ratings matter for them a little bit less than they do for other players. But if you're somebody that's playing a lot of DFS, this might be, you know, a fairly important thing for you to consider. If you look at a lot of the thresholds, Carolina is ranked, uh, like 20 or lower, meaning that they're one of the less favorable matchups for wide receivers. And if you actually go and you look at the alignments and how these players are being deployed, we'll see that, uh Godwin operating 76% of the time out of the slot. Evans in the slot only 30% of the time runs more routes uh, from the left side of the formation around 46% of the time. This puts him in a lot of coverage from CJ Henderson, who's allowing just 4.1 points per game on direct targets. When not dealing with Henderson. We'll probably see JC Horn, who's allowing just 3.8. Godwin is going to see a lot of coverage. Uh, very likely from Xavier Woods, uh, who's at just 3.1. Also some coverage coming from safety, Miles Hartsfield, who's at just 4.1. So this is another one of those cases where if you look at the defenders individually, it doesn't look like there's one defender that they're likely to be able to pick on. Mm. Uh, And then the defense in totality has not been very favorable. So as far as matchups go, uh, these are not great matchups, but of course these are two wide receivers who likely are able to overcome bad matchups.
1: Well, if you buy into laundry narrative at all, uh, over the past four seasons, both Godwin and Evans are averaging more than four PPR points greater uh, when playing the Panthers versus playing all other NFL teams. Both of them actually averaging over 20 PPR per game uh, with Godwin at 22 game across three appearances. Of course he was um, dinged. And then Evans has uh, appeared in five matchups against the Panthers over that same time period and is posting over 20 PPR himself. Um, so obviously we know the players and the defense are, you know, swapping and schemes can change as uh, there are coaching changes. But um, you know, if you're the, if you're the superstitious type, or you believe that, you know, players do just tend to play well against uh, certain teams, certain rivals, Now, there may be something a a little bit to that that would push back against, you know, potentially the overall stinginess of the defense here. Christian Kirk, another player that maybe it's not going to be his week, Dave. Um, What exactly is the problem here for the Jacksonville star?
2: Sure. So Kirk occupies the slot 79% of the time. He's not out, uh, you know, not out wide. Very often those routes are more covered by uh, Zay and Marvin Jones. Now the giants defenders have been solid across the board. Uh, their corner that spends the most time in the slot is Darnay Holmes, Um, who's allowed just 4.3 points per game. Uh, their um their safeties too also end up covering the slot a lot you have julian love at just 5.3 points per game on direct targets and also xavier mckinney at just 2.2 so really what it comes down to is when wide receivers operate out of the slot against the giants there have just not been a lot of points there for them to score uh also from a threshold perspective Um, The Giants have been very limiting in terms of 15-point performances, allowing just 0.3 wide receivers per game to go over 15. And they also have limited um, 10-plus games to just 1.2 points. The only glimmer of hope here, and this is actually pretty interesting, Curtis, is that top 48 wide receivers are putting up 18.1 points against the Giants, Mm. one of the highest totals, which almost tells us that the defense does let one of those wide receivers that manages to have a good game have a pretty decent performance against them when they're opposing a good receiver. But I would not bank on it being Kirk this week based upon the way that the matchup looks like. He does not profile as one of those players that's going to buck that trend and be one of those high-scoring guys.
1: Yeah, uh, I can dive into that a little bit to provide some support. Uh, Just using the NFL Stat Explorer, as we did uh, earlier in the episode, DJ Moore... Uh, mostly playing outside, uh, posted 13 against this squad back in week two. CeeDee Lamb, you know, who does does move around the formation, but uh, is playing um, outside, uh, 22.7. Darnell Mooney uh, is primarily an outside target, uh, 13.4 PPR. Cobb moving around the formation a little bit, did have that 16.9 PPR game a couple weeks ago. Um, So, yeah, I think there's something to that. It does seem like, you know, this defense allows one uh, receiver to get it done. But man, if you look overall, you know, this defense is 31st uh, in, in PPR allowed to opposing uh, wide receiver cores uh, and 29th from a fantasy points over expectation perspective. So, yeah, it is a little bit of a tough sledding against the Giants here.
2: For sure. Uh, now, I think that we've covered the wide receivers I wanted to highlight. So uh, why don't we pop over? To tight end, if that works, Curtis.
1: Yeah, sure. Let's hit. Let's hit a couple of the uh, the high flyers and you know, maybe a sneaky pick or two.
2: Sure. So the the top rated tight end this week is Mike Kosicki, who comes up with a matchup rating. Of 8.3 we talked about the wide receivers pittsburgh has not been very good at defending tight ends either and who knows maybe miami will try to pour on some production for gasicki is it the rumor is they are trying to move him in advance of the deadline um which I, I think could be pretty interesting uh so he comes in nicely this week we also see david Njoku scoring nicely against baltimore a team we've talked about a couple of times For those of you in desperation, Mo Ali Cox with a 61 is the fifth ranked tight end this week. Um, I should note we're filtering out players that are under seven points per game. Uh, I guess a note that I would add there as well, uh, if we look at the thresholds and we look at maybe um, games of eight or more to tight ends. Tennessee is actually middle of the road in that metric, uh, but they have given up a number of big games um, to tight ends in comparison to what we see from most teams. Now, Mo Ali Cox, not the type of player you're going to expect to have a breakout game, but there's a little bit of upside in that if this matchup rating is accurate or not that it's accurate, but if he ends up realizing or is able to capitalize on this opportunity could turn into a decent game. Zach Ertz, uh, who's probably in lineups at this point with a pretty favorable matchup. Players that the tool does not like this week. Evan Ingram against the Giants does not score favorably. Logan Thomas, very low at just a 24. It doesn't love Darren Waller. Daniel Bellinger, who we've mentioned uh, more times now on the pod than I was expecting this year, also draws a pretty hard matchup um, in his game with Jacksonville. So it might be a little bit harder to stream him this week than you might like. I'll note that Jacksonville is allowing just 0.3 tight ends to go over 8.0 points on a weekly basis. Uh, and across the other thresholds we'll look at, or that we look at has been one of the most stifling defenses. All
1: right. Um, uh- one that I was kind of curious about. Uh, we mentioned the the Jaguars versus the Giants. Um, I've got a conundrum where I basically have to choose between I don't I don't know drinking bleach or I mean some other deadly <laughs> some other uh, deadly concoction. And Evan Ingram looks like he might be my best option. Uh, how is he looking and the other option that I might be able to pull from that uh, particular matchup? Uh, I think you already talked about Bellinger. So the third one would be uh, Will Disley or Noah Fant. Oh, my God. <laughs> anything that I can hope for from any of those. So three Will week?
2: Disley has a 31 and is the third. Yeah, he's also, he's also it
1: seems to have taken a back seat to uh yes to Noah Fant. So, so okay, we can cross him off the list. He's
2: probably crossed off the list. And sadly, Curtis, I think that I'm gonna have to change my points per game range here to even let Mr. Noah Fant pull into mm-hmm. things. He does draw forty eight, though, um, against the Chargers, significantly okay. better okay. than dis Neutral.
1: That's basically neutral. So I'll take I, it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that what you would have to look here for these guys is the talent level of them, um, which, you know, I wouldn't say that we expect any of these guys to be world beaters this year. So with that context, you know, bounce this off of the GLSP as well. And then, um, you know, that should help make your decision. Of course, you know that, but that's just a nod to some of the new listeners we've picked up uh, in recent weeks.
1: Yeah, it was just, an, it was an exercise, Dave. It was an exercise. I know I was, I know, I was throwing you a beach ball so that you could illustrate the power of the tools for uh, lineup decision making. This man's uh, getting as well as sensitive
2: since I dumped on the Browns.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get over it, man. I'm just not, okay? Like, listen, you know, we were off to a decent start and Jacoby set sucks. And, you know, uh, he was faking it till he made it. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, the clock has run out on that. So, hey, yes, so I we haven't, sensitive.
2: We haven't told people in a while. What's uh, What are you drinking tonight?
1: Oh yes, uh, I did post this to the Twitter uh, sphere as well. Knob Creek Single Barrel Small Batch. It's aged nine years, uh, 120 proof. Uh, this this bottle's probably got to be. It might be 16 years old at this point because wow. I've had it in my cabinet for a long time, and it was a nine year. Uh, it was a nine year bourbon at that time. Of course, it's not actually effectively aging anymore, but it does preserve. Um, or I guess it does serve to uh, I don't know just add a little bit more of appeal and intrigue to it. Uh, it it's quite nice, Dave. It's quite nice. Knob Nob Creek does make um, you know many good bourbons. Uh, I think their twelve is probably my favorite. If you ever find they only made it, they only released it one time. You ever see it's got a navy blue navy blue label on it? You ever see a Knob Creek twelve in your local liquor establishment? You just buy the bottle. You thank me later.
2: All right. I probably should have hit the drop there and we could have signed off. <laughs> yeah, man. Come but on. <laughs> I was busy having a sip of water. Okay. All right, everybody. Good luck this weekend. Thank you for listening to the roto Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.